Good morning. Rhonda, come on up here. Ms. Rhonda's coming up. We're going to do things uh, differently today, as Landon said. Uh, here's the deal. If you've been here the last few weeks, um, we've had uh, the nativity scene sort of as the subject of our sermons. We've talked about the different characters in the nativity scene, Mary and Joseph. Who, how did they get chosen? We've talked about baby Jesus. The center stage belongs to him. And we talked about the shepherds last week. So today, we're going to talk about the angels. I'm going to let you hold this before I want to keep going. And so my thought was this. With the angels, here's how it works. They're part of the nativity scene, too. And maybe you've not seen certain nativity scenes with angels. Most of them have them. And I was thinking about this. How do we talk about the angels? So we talked about this with our staff and said, angels sing. They proclaim great news, and we sing and rejoice. And I thought, you know what? As we talk about angels today, we're just going to sing. So what we did, we invited four other people besides myself to come up here this morning. And they're just going to share, this is one of my favorite songs, and then we're going to sing it. Rhonda's going to come up. She's going to share her favorite song and why, and we're going to sing it. And Landon's going to do the same. Then we're going to sing it, and Sarah's going to come up. And actually, we're going to watch a video after her. And then Daisy's going to come up. To sing her song, and then I'll come up and we'll sing our song and conclude the morning. And that's the way this morning's going to roll. We thought, let's just celebrate as a church, as the way the angels did, because there's a lot of good news. I mean, we have good news right now. There's some of you out here. It's like, we got good news to share. Phil and Lisa Ashman, congratulations. You've got a grandson as of two days ago, right? That's awesome. Congratulations. That's good news, right? Another baby, Christmas time. And then Pastor Landon. Got engaged to Alexis Short Woo! this past week, so that's great news. There's always good news. Parents who have uh, college students coming home, that was good news. Uh, families getting together uh, to celebrate over Christmas. They haven't seen each other for a while. They're traveling to distance. That's good news. So we have so much good news to share this morning. And even this morning, it's like, you know what? We didn't do children's church. We didn't do nursery. There's a nursery in the back. Parents, if you do need to take your child back, that's fine. Go back in the room there if you want. But we make this a family-style service because we want everybody in one place to enjoy this together. So this morning, we're going to do what the angels did. We're going to sing. We're going to proclaim good news. And we're going to worship together the King of Kings, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, when you start talking about the angels and I'm standing there, I thought, well, <laughs> that's pretty nice. <laughs> and then... That wasn't about me at all. And then he had to steal my thunder with Landon. I couldn't announce that, so Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yesterday, Mike and I were getting our Christmas preparations done. I still had, didn't have my tree up. And he's like, why don't we put on Christmas music while we do this? And you know, so I started the, the CD, Celine Dion, first song, O Holy Night. We didn't put on Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Jingle Bells, or Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. No. We like the old favorites. Oh, holy night. The stars are brightly shining. Christmas is a time of joy like no other. Right? A time for family. A time to remember Christmas is past. A time to share and to give. A time to remember. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. 
what is there about Christmas music and the Christmas season that makes you just think back to all the Christmases past? Just can't help but go back. When I start thinking about Christmas memories, I think about a Christmas Eve where the smell of barbecued chicken was in the air, cooked over cherry wood out in that cold December air. Mm, I can taste it now. Mom's cheese potatoes always gracing the table at Christmas Eve. Loved ones gathered around the table, a thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices. Magical nights. The stars are brightly shining. Two small kids in the back seat on the way home, of course, not in car seats or seat belts, scanning the skies for a sign of Rudolph's red nose streaking across the sky leading Santa straight to their house. Out in the barn, Mike and Chad would always put down fresh straw for our animals, and it was as if the animals could sense it was a special night, a holy night. They were so still and so quiet. Holy night. December 6th, 1954. Christmas preparations were crazy. A husband had just come home from the hospital after surgery to remove, to remove a finger, and a four-year-old daughter was supposed to come home after a routine tonsillectomy to celebrate Christmas with her two-year-old brother and baby sister, not quite a year old. Instead, that little four-year-old celebrated Christmas with Jesus that year. Fall on your knees, oh, hear the angels sing. How do you celebrate Christmas when you're going through loss, through sickness, through loneliness, through hard times? Tough times when there's such emptiness, such brokenness, such sadness that outweighs the joy that Christmas promises that everybody else seems to be enjoying. Mike's dad died December 18th, and the week prior to his death, he knew it was coming. And if you've ever sat at the bedside of a dying saint, they sleep a lot. They don't talk a lot. It was like that one night. Mike and I were there. I don't remember who else. I just remember us being there. And the youth group from their church came and wanted to know if they could sing Christmas carols. Yeah, go ahead. As they were singing Silent Night, I looked down at Bob, and his lips were moving, singing the song. Not out loud, but he was singing the song. Christmas, Christmas. How do you get through Christmases with memories like that? Empty houses, maybe no Christmas cards in your mailbox. Being knee-deep in grief, trying to celebrate when that loss seems just too much to bear. Physical pain, emotional pain, dread, financial worries, hopelessness, fear, despair, worry, anxiety, anger, exhaustion, frustrations. Maybe no home at all. I think about a young single mom this Christmas celebrating in prison with her three boys at home. That's hard. A former boss has a grandson that um, was having trouble sleeping nights. His legs hurt. They thought it was growing pains. It turned out to be bone cancer. He had surgery. They removed part of his leg reattached his foot backwards on his knee. 
happy as can be. The cancer's back. It's in his lungs. It's all through him. How do you celebrate Christmas? How do you be happy? I heard on K-Love this week, a lady that lives in her truck, she's been homeless for three years. Homeless at Christmas. How do you do that? How do you do that? A friend of mine at work just found out that she has cancer. A time when she's usually baking cookies and putting together trays for other people. Instead, she's talking about what treatments gonna have. How do you celebrate Christmas? How do you, how do you feel? Joy. I think about the family that Easton and Eli's uh, baseball teams put together Christmas presents. They probably wouldn't have had Christmas other than that. A holy night. A holy night. So I just, I can't help but think, why, God, why? Why at Christmas time when everything is so happy, why do, why do all these sad things happen? Why do all these sad memories come back? I figured out why. This, this is why he came. This is why he came. These very feelings, those excruciating circumstances and pain, the lack of love, the very, the very reason the first Christmas happened in the very first place. The fact the brokenness of this world has hit us and hurt us is the very reason God sent his son. It's why he came that holy night. Emmanuel, God with us. God has a plan to redeem all of this. It started with Jesus coming as a baby born in dirty, smelly, lonely, heart-wrenching circumstances. And will end when Jesus comes in glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Isaiah, the Old Testament, I found they talk baby and what he would mean, the savior of the world. The servant grew up before God, a scrawny seedling, a scrubby plant in a parched field. There was nothing attractive about him, nothing to cause us to take a second look. He was looked down on and passed over a man who suffered and knew pain firsthand. One look at him and people turned away. We looked down on him, thought he was scum, but the fact is it was our pains he carried our disfigurements, all the things wrong with us, all the brokenness, all the hurt. We thought he brought it all in himself, that God was punishing him for his own failures, that it was our sins that did that to him, that ripped and tore and crushed him, our sins. He took the punishment, and that made us whole. Through his bruises, we get healed. We're all like sheep who've wandered off and gotten lost. We've done our own thing, gone our own way. God has piled all our sins, everything we've done wrong, on him, on him. Still, it's what God had in mind all along to crush him with pain. The plan was that he gave himself as an offering for sin so that he'd see life come from it, life, life, and more life. And God's plan will deeply prosper through him. I don't know if we're going to sing this verse this morning, but this is the one. I love the first verse. Yeah, it's good, but this, this is what it's about.
truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Chains shall he break for the slave is our brother and in his name all oppressions shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy and grateful chorus raise us. With all our hearts we praise his holy name. Christ is the Lord. Then ever, ever praise we his power and glory evermore. Around Christmas time, we always hear the word Emmanuel. And the word Emmanuel, as most of you probably know, means God with us. So Exodus chapter 40, starting in verse 34, says this. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all their journeys, wherever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and fire was in it by night, in the sight of all of the house of Israel, throughout all their journeys. So the tabernacle at this time, throughout the Old Testament, uh, was the dwelling place of God with his people. It was a place where God in all his glory dwelt in the midst of all his people. And later on that would become the temple. So it was the tabernacle. And as glorious as this tabernacle was, the author of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 10.1 that it was nothing more than a shadow of the good things to come. That the tabernacle was not the final and true reality. Because all the sacrifices and everything that would take place in their tabernacle could never truly take away the sins of God's people, and it could never truly accomplish our salvation. And so as great as the tabernacle was, it pointed forward to a greater reality. In John chapter 1, verse 14, the Apostle John writes this, And the Word became flesh, and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So as you, you probably know, the, the word in this verse is Jesus. It's the, the eternal second person of the Trinity, the Son of God. Uh, so the word, Jesus, became flesh, and he dwelt among us. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. Now the word dwelt in this passage Obviously, it means dwell, but translated literally, it actually means to set up one's tabernacle. And so when it's saying that the Son of God became flesh and dwelt among us, saying that God became man and set up his tabernacle among us. He came and he tabernacled among his people. See, Jesus was the greater and the true reality to which the original tabernacle pointed. Because unlike the original tabernacle, Jesus could take away our sins. He would have the one true perfect sacrifice that would accomplish our salvation once and for all. And so when we celebrate Christmas, this is what we're celebrating. We're celebrating the reality that God the Son, the eternal second person of the Trinity, took on human flesh in order to show us the glory of the Father and to accomplish our salvation once and for all. 
And so church, as we sing the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, let us sing it with an unspeakable joy. Because now, looking back, we have the privilege of knowing that Emmanuel has indeed come. We know that he has indeed put our sin away once and for all. And we know that he has indeed accomplished our salvation. And so let us sing with great joy as well, because God's presence with his people did not end with Christ's resurrection. God continues to dwell among us, continues to tabernacle among us in the presence of his Holy Spirit with us. And if you read Revelation, at the end of the day, on the new heavens and on the new earth, it says that God's dwelling place will be with his people. So what Christ began, right, the greater and true reality, is now being fulfilled. So God's presence is with us, his church, now and forever. The people who have been bought by his blood. And so church, as we sing, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, as the song says, may we sing it and rejoice because we know that Emmanuel has come. So that was supposed to be my song. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. When we talked about um, our favorite Christmas song, um, what it would mean to us, probably about five years ago at a church service, um, it hit me for the first time what Emmanuel actually meant. That God came down and is now with us. You know, and as a child, okay, I celebrated Christmas and the nativity scene and Jesus coming to earth. But I don't think it ever hit me until I really knew what Emmanuel meant. And so um, my second choice, which has also been the better choice, um, has called the light of the world. Some of you probably don't know it. That's why I thought it would be better for us to watch a video. Um, Lauren Daigle sings it. She's kind of a newer to me singer. Um, as we watch the video, um, it's going to give us a picture of how the birth of Jesus may have went down. Now I'm going to warn you ahead of time that the wise men do come on the actual day of the birth, which, you know, is not accurate necessarily. So if you have any questions about that, you can ask Pastor X. He did approve of the video, so we're good to go there. But it is just such a good picture of um, what that day may have looked like. But as we watch it, um, I'd like you to think about a few things. God's people had been waiting for a Savior, for a Messiah. They didn't have Jesus in their heart. They had God, and they had the Old Testament. They had God's promises, but some of them they had been waiting to be fulfilled. I think like some of us are still waiting for certain promises in our life to be fulfilled. They longed for peace and for hope, and I think we all still long for that peace and hope. They had read the Old Testament promise that he would come as a baby, that he would be called Emmanuel, God with us. And there's a certain section in this song that I love. Um, I'm going to read it. It says, for all who wait, for all who hunger, for all who've prayed, for all who wander. And as I listened to this song and prayed um, about God, what God would want me to say to you, because so many emotions bubble up in me when I listen to this song. So, you know, what, Lord, do you want me to tell your church? I couldn't help but think, 
We all have prayed. We all have waited. We all have hungered for something. We're all wandering at different times in our life. All of us, we all need him. But he is for all of us. If you've asked Jesus to be your Savior, your Messiah, you still need him every day, even if he is living with you in your heart every day. You still need him. If you've never asked him into your life, if you've never given your heart to him, you need him. The birth of Jesus is for you. The birth of Jesus is for me. He is for all of us. There's another line in the song that I wanted to point out before we watched it. It says, He is the song for the suffering. He is Messiah. The Prince of Peace has come. He has come, Emmanuel. And we all suffer in this world, just like Rhonda shared earlier. At some point in our lives, we're going to know somebody that's suffering. We're suffering on a small level, on a large level compared to this world. We're all suffering. And let's just remember that he has come, he has come, Emmanuel. Um, I'm going to be reading Luke 2, chapter, four, or chapter 2, Luke, verse 14. Glory to God in highest, in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. I really thought about this verse when I was trying to think of what to say today, and um, it reminded me of the first Noel. And the first, or the no Noel means the Christmas season, and that reminded me of the nativity story. So um, my favorite song would probably have to be the first Noel. One of the reasons why I really like this song is because when I read the lyrics without the music, it reminded me of... Um, a very beautiful poem and that poem just really felt or that poem really hit my heart because um, one of my favorite or one of my favorite stories is the nativity because um, I've grown up in the church and I feel like that's a big part of my life now and um, another reason why I love the song is because it mix it combines my two favorite things the first, the first Noel is um, the Christmas story and music. Music is a big part of my life as well, so combining those two things makes it an even bigger part of my life. So one of those things is that um, the Christmas story is just a huge part of everything, so that means that um, it's going to be a big part of my life as well. And the Christmas, or er, Jesus coming down to earth and is a huge part of it because we want we want to be here without him. So that's a big part too. Thank you. I'm glad this morning we had a chance for uh, Rhonda to come up here and Landon and Sarah and Daisy to come. I'm just sort of share. Why is this their favorite song? And, and we didn't give them any parameters. We said, share whatever you want to share, whether it's, it's short or long, whether it's from Scripture or from its heart, wherever it's from, just why is this your simple and favorite song? And, and this morning as we close, I'm, I'm going to share with you my favorite song. And uh, from Scripture, I, I, there's a couple of verses. 
Psalm 99.5, it says this, Exalt the Lord our God. Bow low before his feet, for he is holy. Verse 9 says this, Exalt the Lord our God. Worship at his holy mountain, Jerusalem, for the Lord our God is holy. And then Psalm 100 continues, Shout with joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us, we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever. His faithfulness continues to each generation. Throughout scripture, we're challenged and encouraged. Give God the glory. Bow before his feet. He is holy. He is worthy of praise. We find it all throughout scripture. And and so this song that's one of my favorites is, Oh, come all ye faithful. Come let us adore him. That song has been sung for over 200 years. It's, it's been recorded by numerous singers and artists, and it actually hit the top 10 on the charts three times. Translated into more than 150 languages, used in cantatas and musicals. Oh, come all ye faithful is a beautiful traditional song. But here's the thing. Nobody knew who wrote it for years. For years, nobody had an idea who the author is, who composed this song. And it wasn't until after World War II that somebody finally found some documents, his actual transcripts that were signed by an English Catholic priest named John Francis Wade. It was then they discovered that it was he who wrote this song. See, there was strife between the Church of England and the Roman Catholic Church it was at an all-time high, and many practicing Catholics had to go into hiding for fear of being imprisoned or hurt. So they became refugees on the run, and they all left their homeland into another country seeking shelter. Now, if you look in the news today, you'll see that there's other people who are refugees seeking shelter in other countries. And we sit there and think, wait, wasn't this, and even Mary and Joseph, weren't they refugees? We'll read about that next week. But in this time of conflict, a refugee on the run, he was forced to give up the country he loved. He sacrificed his faith, and he was asked, could you please preserve all the writings of the church? So he started writing all the documents of, of the church which he belonged to to preserve them because people were trying to erase them. The church was literally at war, and here's a gentleman by the name of John Wade who said, you know what, we live in a time when we are refugees, when we're running, but shouldn't we all be running to the holiness of Jesus? Isn't it Christmas that brings us all together at one scene, the nativity scene? And so I like this song, Oh Come All You Faithful, not because of the history behind it, but I like this song because it reminds me Yes, O come, all ye faithful, everyone. No matter what nationality you're from, what language you speak, what kind of car you drive, what kind of house you live in, your poverty level, your background, what you have, what you don't have, every tongue, every nation, every age, every size gathers at one scene, the nativity scene the birth of Jesus Christ, to bow before him. 
Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Joyful and triumphant. As we close this morning's sermon, and I say sermon or sermonettes uh-huh. or time of worship, as we close it up, I encourage you to sing this song joyfully, triumphantly. Come adore him. We, we come sometimes on Sunday mornings, and some of you come from maybe different church backgrounds you're visiting today, and maybe you grew up maybe in a Catholic church or a Lutheran church or a Baptist church or a Presbyterian church. Maybe you're unchurched. I don't know. But we all approach Jesus differently, and a lot of times I grew up approaching Jesus reverently. Shh. No talking in church. I mean, if you sat in the pew and it creaked, mom and dad were like, Because it's reverence, right? I'm thinking that first Christmas, the first Noel, that first Christmas, when there was all kinds of noises in that stable, in that barn. Proper noises, improper noises. (laughs) Shepherds coming in, crowds. You know, there was, what's going on here? But what did they do? From all sizes, all shapes, all different, they came to worship joyfully, triumphantly. Oh, come, let us adore him. When my first son was born, when Colin was born, I didn't know what to expect. I mean, Jenny had that book, What to Expect When You're Expecting. I didn't read it. That's what the (laughs) women read, right? I'm thinking, hey, baby comes. We got this. Oh, okay. I didn't know what to expect. A good idea, right? But nothing beats the moment it happens. And 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 I'll never forget in a hospital, I'll never forget with any of my boys, but the first, the first, when you don't know what's going to happen, all of a sudden, there he is. And it, it was a boy. I mean, my eyes got big. I was like, a boy. I stood in awe. I cried like a baby myself. I was like, I've got a boy. And the joy, the excitement, the thrill, I held him. I rocked him. I'll never forget that first night of rocking chair in the hospital room. Rocked my son. Nothing beats that moment. I adored him. I loved him. Still do, son. <laughs> it goes for all my boys. But when you hold that baby and you adore him, it isn't reverence. It's love. And I believe Jesus invites us to love him. Not just in reverence, but to love him. I mean, to approach the nativity scene and to behold Jesus, to adore him. And you have to think about this. I, I, I encourage you, as we sing this song, to adore Jesus. Think about this. Without Jesus, we have nothing. He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Think about this. Without a vine, there are no branches. He's the living water, and without water, we die of thirst. He is the bread of life. Without bread, we hunger. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Without him, we are lost, we are lied to, and we are dead. To adore him is to love him as if he's your own child. To adore him is to look at him as the rescuer of your soul. We were in trouble, dying, and he left the throne room of heaven. He touched earth. He got dirty. He sacrificed his own life so that we could love him back. So we could love him back. So come, let us all adore him. 
Let's love him. Let's approach him with thankful and grateful hearts. He loves us. He rescues us. So let's love him. Let's adore him. Would you stand as we sing this song?